0: well hello there this is william brooks with essential questions for educators eq4e podcast on spotify you can find me on amazon and apple as well i am traveling this week i'm actually sitting in a parking lot with my iphone Uh, i was told a long time ago i could actually you know why are you buying microphones and stuff you know you can uh you can just do this from from an iPhone. I was like, yeah, but you know, it's been a while, so I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. But I'm on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, and I am going to do some consulting today. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, first of all, if you like this, uh, share it. Subscribe, do all the things, I would appreciate it. Also, remember you can go to EssentialQuestionsForEducators.com uh, to check out my blog. There's also links to this podcast and an announcement of a book I'm working on called, <laughs> wait for it, Essential Questions for Educators, Proving Instruction, Volume 1. I, I got to tell you, I'm about, I, I, this is weird to say, but I'm about 30,000 words into this sucker now. I, I can't believe I'm writing a book. My English teachers in high school and middle school would just kind of shake their heads if they knew I was I was writing a book, but uh, I am. So I, I guess you got to do something that you love for a while and then you have all sorts of things to write about, I, I guess. I guess that's the trick. But anyway, I'm going to do some work today on improving instruction. Now, I, I do stuff like this a lot. And I'm going to be working with a small group of teachers. And the trick is you have different levels of instruction when you go, when you have any more than two people in a room, you have a variety of experiences. You have a variety of what people are going through in their lives and how much they're, they can pay attention, how many risks they can take. But um, I guess that's all about risk, you know, asking teachers to do something and think about something a little bit differently or a lot of it differently, so it kind of goes back to this concept that 's always kind of floating in the back of my mind, um, where I am trying to create a disturbance in someone 's thinking, try to make them go, huh, okay, maybe that may, maybe I could do that a little differently, maybe I could do that better, and that in my five rs you know research, risk, reflect rep- refine, repeat. Uh, that's the first, the first piece, I guess, uh, where I'm bringing research to them. I'm bringing experiences to them, and trying to create that dis- disturbance. And then, and then, really challenging teachers to take risks first in in planning instruction, reflecting on what I'm saying, help them work through what I'm saying, and applying it in their context. But take a risk, and then it comes into systems of reflection, refining that process. And then repeating, for example, I may have shared this before, there are are multiple instructional strategies that I have employed in my classroom. And if I would have decided to continue to do specific individual strategies based on how it went the first, second, third, fifth time, I probably would have abandoned some of my favorite strategies. So, that whole reflection, refine, repeat is a very important system that can be supported uh, not only just individually, you know, with that mental model, but it can be supported on teams, uh, you know, agenda items for team meetings, professional learning community meetings to kind of help support that. You can also set up ways to. Uh, collect data on your own to see how something is going. You can have uh, walkthroughs, peer walkthroughs, uh, data walks, all sorts of things, which I'm, I'm actually fortunate enough. I'm going to switch islands tonight, go over to Oahu, and I'm working with a uh, intermediate school or middle school uh, department on improving instruction, and we're going to be doing Uh, Some stuff with the data that they collected on their own and uh, as with some data walks. And I'm going to add to those data walks tomorrow. So uh, that's another another podcast, though. But so, you know, back to this meeting that I'm going to have today, this professional development, if you will. um, I'm going to, well... I've I, I wrote a blog post about this uh, on the way from Kansas City to Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, because I was really thinking about this training today, and that's kind of the genesis of of blog post fifty seven. Uh, you know, kind of where am I at instructionally, and how do I move forward, which is kind of my job uh, as an education consultant in in some domains and. I think part of it is just identifying where you're at and having a framework to identify where you're at and you you know there's five levels and you can be in multiple levels uh or different levels in different moments but my five levels you know my 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 very first level is the traditional transactional uh, model and we're going to talk about that this morning and that is You know, the point I make with that is, like, let's say I am a science teacher, and so I've taken a lot of science classes, theoretically, and I, you know, it, quite honestly, in college and possibly graduate school, it doesn't matter how the teacher taught me because I am really into science, (laughs) and I have, I, I have all of this interest and all of this passion you know, potentially passion for science, and I'm pretty much excited to be there. So, a lot of times, and again, guys, I am no different. I'm, I'm I'm preaching, you know, to the choir, to myself, to everybody here. But that's why we tend to teach the way we teach. It's it's based on how we were taught, and some of us were taught in a very transactional, old school, traditional, lecture heavy method where i am an empty container waiting to be filled with knowledge from the uh, sage on the stage the the expert in the content area and while that might work with us which was the point i was trying to make in our content area that we love so much when little billy is sitting in the middle of the back the right the left of the classroom and susie and and all these all these kids who may or may not have the passion for what's going on, that they're not necessarily a vessel awaiting, you know, to be filled with this knowledge. (laughs) It's, it's gotta be a little bit different, but you gotta start somewhere. Um, you, you know, you gotta start with that traditional mindset or, you know, whatever traditional is for you. If, if you're, if, if these teachers I'm going to work with, or if you're lucky enough to have had, uh, teachers that have tried a multitude of instructional strategies, you went through a teacher program, and things are just amazing and you have all these different perspectives you're you 're beyond level one, but many of us experience traditional transactional type of of teaching so that 's level one so we 're going to identify you know or and and just testify to our experiences not only having traditional transactional done to us, but doing that to others. And I'm going to go first on all these because I've done all five of these levels that I'm about to describe to everybody, all all the students across time. All right, so level two ramps it up a little bit and it gets kids involved a little more than just waiting to be filled up as a vessel of knowledge, you know. So, uh, you know, because they're an empty vessel and then and, and they're waiting. So it it kind of tips the hat to the beginning of sense-making with students. And it can just be turn and talks. It can be, you know, some quick whiteboards, you know, where you do the problem and or write down the concept and you hold it up on a little mini whiteboard. But it's just taking lecture and, you know, or I say lecture, you know, just traditional transactional and getting the kids involved in like small little mini moments. Uh, my first foray into that was the turn and talk and shoulder partners is what i called them but it's all these you know recognized in the moment or planned strategies to get kids to to sense make a little bit okay this is not we're not to the big strategy or you know that that takes 20 or 30 minutes or 15 you know whatever uh, to, to the instructional routine that you're going to do. This is the enhancement piece. So so level two, which is quite honestly where I work with teachers a lot, is taking them into level two and recognizing there are differences in in unstructured and structured moments with level two. And again, level two is when you start to bring sense-making for students in. It's it's, gosh, what do I, I can't remember what I called it in the blog, uh, uh, bad podcaster, <laughs> and I don't have it open. So it's, it's just the partners, it's the beginning of partners, and even some quick small group, uh, just a quick activity, a quick moment. Okay, I just realized that as I'm, as I'm recording this, if I cough, <laughs> which I had to, uh, there, there's no cough button or anything like that, so I'll have to edit that out uh, tonight in the hotel room. All right. So then level three and level four are very similar, but also miles apart. <laughs> Let me explain. Level three is when you start replacing chunks of your instruction with student-centered strategies and routines. This this goes beyond think-pair-share. This goes beyond, it's it's like chalk talk. It's like uh, triangles, it's conversation roundtable, any strategy that you have where you involve the students and it's very student centered, but and, and, and that's actually the description to level three and four with a big difference. Level three is when you're getting the mechanics of the strategy or routine down, the setup, the communication, practicing, getting the students into the activity—it's—it's it's just merely the mechanics, and this takes time. I was working with a group of teachers, about twenty-five teachers, in the fall of twenty twenty-three. Uh, it was actually the summer, and I said, "Guys, you know, here are five strategies and routines we're going to go over. If you decide to use one, two, or more of these, just know you've got to work on the mechanics of them for." Nearly a semester, so you know five, ten times before you kind of get a feel for it, how to explain it really well. Because you know the first time you'll explain it, I'm sure hands will go up because you weren't as clear as you want it to be, and then you've got to work through all that. So just keep that in mind. There's a mechanics piece that is almost worth. Well, I made it different levels. Um, it, it is worth separating in your mind. Okay, I got to get good at the mechanics. Of this. Yes, I want the students involved. Yes, I want the students doing things. Yes, I want student learning, but my main mental focus is going to be making sure the kids are doing the thing correctly. Like triangles. Triangles is one of my favorite instructional strategies. That's where they're in groups of three. If they can, they can stand at a board, a whiteboard. There's one person with a marker. The other two people have to have a conversation about the next idea or the next step in the problem or the next point that is to be made. Once those two decide through conversation, the silent person who's not allowed to talk with the pen writes down what they agree upon, either the next step, the next concept, the next point. And then the pen rotates. The problem isn't over. The concept has not been fully explored, but after every point, after every step, after every moment is recorded, the pen rotates. And then the two new people, one of the people wasn't talking or, or he wasn't talking because they had the pen and the other person does not get the pen. So they're having a conversation now. And the new person with the pen writes the next point, the next step that the other two people talk about. And the pen keeps rotating. Do you know how long it takes for the typical middle school and high school classroom to, to get that down? And for me to be able to explain that with a PowerPoint slide, with a non-curricular example first, you know, just things like that. The answer is it takes a minute or 10. Okay. So I, we, but they're still learning, but it it just takes time. It takes time for them to figure that out. But then level four is when you're doing strategies and routines. And again, this is more than turn and talk. These are big strategies and routines. Think 15, 20, 30 minutes where you are discovering the nuance Within these strategies and routines, you're figuring out your movement as an instructor around the classroom, what you should be doing. Do you have a clipboard? Should you be doing a, a check plus minus system to kind of gather some data on, you know, check, checks for understanding? How do you talk to groups as you kind of work the room? Do you ask or say uh, think, uh, keep thinking types of questions, keep thinking types of prompts to them, or do you give them, Oh yeah, great job. Way to go. And then they know they can take a mental break for a moment. <laughs> most, mo- most, kids, um, or, or do you spur them on? Do you have them justify a little bit better? Um, do you have, do you connect groups? Hey, when you connect groups, do you send the whole group over to another group to see what they're doing? Or do you send one person over? All those things, all those things. And then I like to, you know, when I'm doing a strategy or routine, if if it makes sense, I like to plan some timeouts to make key points. Or if I recognize unplanned timeouts where there's some brilliant thinking, some different, some divergent thinking going on. If someone, if there's a group that is kind of making a trailhead and a, a path through a concept that's super unique, I'll call a timeout. I'll bring the attention over to this group and not, you know, not just face, but kind of work toward me, Step, make a couple steps toward me. If you go to essentialquestionsforeducators.com, you'll see some pictures of me bringing classroom, uh, like students around me to have a conversation. That's a nuance that I picked up and that I would bring students together and talk to them about. And I model that in classrooms all the time. And it's, it's super effective. It's super effective. And it may not be your style to get them up and move them toward you, but, uh, and, and I can think of some classes that I've had in the past where I would not use that strategy. <laughs> you know, I might just get their attention, maybe have them stand up, but uh, we'd have to practice that movement a little bit more. All right, so quick review before we hit number five. Number one is that traditional transactional I think my mental model for that is lecture, 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 I have information, I need to give you the information so that you now have the new information, and then I'm going to test or quiz or give you an assessment where you prove to me that you know the information that I poured into you. Uh, number two is where students, peers start to get involved with sense-making a little bit more. Big time in levels three and level four, where we start using different strategies, routines, uh, where there's a mechanics associated to, with the, you know, pulling it off. And then there's nuance, you know, how how do you kind of see what's going on when it's going to go on and how do you anticipate things? All right, level five is kind of that master teacher that you kind of float in and out of, you know, once you've been doing it for a while and you're reflective and you're continuing to refine and repeat. And I believe I referred to that as the craftsmanship slash flexibility stage. And I, I stole those terms. Um, and, and that idea from cognitive coaching, I'm a Trained cognitive coach. That's uh, Co- uh, Garmston and Costa's cognitive coaching. I uh, went to a training about 40 hours on that. And uh, uh, that'll preach right there. So how, like the craftsmanship is about your lesson design. What do you want them to experience that isn't just maybe a mini lecture, but breaking it up. It, it, it's a combination of everything. All the other previous four levels, kind of working in concert. But then you throw in the flexibility to where you not only anticipate where there might be needs for a pivot or a pivot or two, but in the moment you can pivot. You can pivot from a strategy back to maybe partners to, oh, back to the individuals for a while, how oh, I need to do a mini lecture. So you're able to kind of craft a lesson, but then you, you have flexibility and the ability to uh, pivot at really any given moment to help students sense make and to help you know what they're thinking. You know, one of my common themes is how do you know, or one of my common essential questions that I use a lot is, how do you know what your students are thinking as soon as possible, multiple times through a lesson? So that that is a piece as well. Uh, you know, so that's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna work with some newer teachers. These are teachers who are not veterans. And we're going to kind of work through the levels. We're going to have open discussions about the levels. I'm going to give examples. I'll shake up their thinking a little bit, but then I want their ideas. I want to know what their past experiences have have been with other teachers as a student Uh, because that's where we can access the most uh, most of their prior knowledge. But they may have dabbled in some of the other things as well. Uh, I did some classroom observations at this school yesterday, and I saw multiple examples of the kind of those lower levels, probably levels one, two, three. I saw a couple of examples of four, and uh, I, I think I saw one or two examples of level five, some pivoting going on, some reading the room, if you will, and pulling out, and going off script uh, for the betterment of the educational process. So, all right. All right let me quick check. How long am I been? Hey, that 18, I've almost been going 19 minutes in a parking lot. Uh, there are, if you've ever been to Kauai before, there's some roosters right next to my car. You may have heard them um, calling out as the sun comes up. Yeah, there's Oh, there's some chicks next to my car too. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But if you do go to Kauai, there are roosters and chickens and chicks everywhere. There is a chicken and a... I told, I told myself I would stop. Okay, real quick. There's a chicken and like five chicks next to my car right now. So I'm going to turn it on and let it run for a little bit, open the door, make sure they're out. But they they, they definitely know how to navigate parking lots in, uh, in Kauai. So, all right. So that is it. I hope you guys have a good week. Uh, you can always check out my blog, check out previous podcasts. I'm going to work on this tonight. Hopefully I get the sound to where it's uh, pretty good. But I should be back in studio within the next week or two. It's uh, heavy travel, heavy travel this time of year for me. Uh, So if this turns out well, I might do more of these from the car. So all right, you guys take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye.